Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. It's November 6th, and we still just can't get away from uh, all of the hype around the Vancouver Canucks. It's even uh, it's even gone league-wide, Sat. Everybody hyping the Canucks. Greg Wyshynski had an ESPN. They did an article, like, early look at the awards race in the National Hockey League. Pedersen for the Hart, Hughes for the Norris, Demko for the Vesna. JT for the Selkie is the only one no. missing. Yeah, well, but Pedersen was on for the yeah. Selkie. <laughs> Pedersen for the Selkie, yeah. And the Lady Bing. Just give Pedersen all the awards. Would it be wrong? I mean, He's, He's going to get a max contract next year, I'm convinced. 16 million <laughs> could you imagine uh okay now that's maybe a little too much hyperbole but it's think- not you know what yes it is but it's not hyperbole in terms of what you were saying before about how good Pedersen has been all the awards yes like, you could make the case that he's been the best player in the league so far this season yeah doesn't have a penalty minute by the way that's why the, the lady bing popped up as yeah, well not bad um and you can also make the case you could make the argument now, you could also argue for other players, right? Yeah. But you could you can make the argument that right now, Quinn Hughes is the best player in the league. Or playing the best in the league. Yep. So if you can make that argument about two players on your team, that's not bad. That, yeah. that puts you in a good position, you know? And it's early in the season. But this is kind of like what Dreisaitl and McDavid do when they're when they're on. You know? like It's like you got the two best players in the league. And not that these guys are, but right now, to start the season, you could make the case that they've been the two best players up until this point of the year. Well, it- we, you can come into the season and say the Canucks had a top 10 goalie, a top 10 defenseman, and a top 10 center. And right now they're all playing like the best at their position. They've gone God mode and they said, <laughs> we're just the best at these positions right now. And so this is like, this is peak version of the Canucks, right? If you were drawing it up in the vision board, this is kind of what you would hope that it looks like as an end product where you have three superstar players, a couple of other really high-end core players, and then a bunch of guys playing to their roles and playing to their ability Mm -hmm. through the lineup. So is this the Canucks peak? Mm. Now, I think it is the Canucks peak in terms of a record. Yes. I mean, they're 8-2-1 through 11 games. They may not have a better stretch through 11 games all season. So this might be their peak in terms of, like, you know, uh, a stretch or whatever once this is done. Like, that could be the case. But I don't think they've peaked as a team in terms of how they play. Yeah. And I think that's something that usually happens later in the season. It's too early. They're still honing in on who they are as an, ad- an identity, their systems and structure we talk about. As much as it looks almost second nature already, there's things that will and can improve. So I don't think we've seen them peak but in terms of results, you may it might be close to peak results for, for an 11-game yeah. stretch, right? But in terms of who they are as a team, and that's to me what's encouraging. That we getting beyond all this talk about you know this the stretch, is it sustainable, is it not sustainable? I think more than anything, this is a team that can still be a lot better than what they've shown so far. How do you keep improving? That's gonna be a storyline for the Canucks as they get closer to the playoffs which is still a ways away, of course. But it's a very real outcome now for the Vancouver Canucks. It would almost be uh, uh, <laughs> it would be against the odds to see them miss the playoffs with the way that they've started this season. I think uh, well, I think it's something like 85 or 90% of teams 
that get off to starts like this or have like what is it the Canucks have now? Yeah. Um, seventeen points. Yeah. If you have about seventeen points in your first eleven games, like eighty to ninety percent of the teams make the playoffs. I mean, nothing's guaranteed. But it's the same thing we said last year. You get off to a bad start, and there's like an 80% chance you're not making the playoffs. Yeah. And that always bore true. Now, at least you're on the side where you control your destiny in a positive way. It's uh, Canuck Central. Get in on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. You want to chime in on your Vancouver Canucks. Please do so there with a question, comment, or otherwise if you are listening live. And to those listening on podcast, we appreciate you as well. Subscribe, leave a review. We do appreciate it. Anytime, anywhere, on demand, all of our live interviews, post-game shows, exclusive interviews, inside info, you can find it on the podcast feed. So, the other surprising thing about the way they've started here, Sat, is how good the defense has been. Mm -hmm. The decor, as a whole, is having a lot of success. Now, it went through some early struggles. You know, they had the Susie injury at the start of the year. Some different things were going on. Tyler Myers got chaotic for a couple of games in Florida. But ever since they've added Mark Friedman and placed him next to Ian Cole, for the most part, I know Friedman didn't have a ton of minutes on Saturday against Dallas, but since they've sort of made this their yeah. most common structure of how these defensemen are going to play on a night-to-night basis. They've had a lot of success with the Hughes-Ronick pair, Cole Friedman, and then Susie Myers. And so I'm wondering if we should reevaluate how they stack up against other teams in the Western Conference. I think it's very fair when looking at their defense, because we were wondering, what is it going to look like if you have a legitimate top four guy in Philip Ronick? Yeah, And how good is he? Is he a number two? Is he number three? We know he's better than, than a number four. Mm-hmm. You know, So now the question is, he's playing like a number two right now. Yeah, Is he a true number two? Like, We'll see as time goes on. We've seen 11 games, and it's been super encouraging. Like, there's no reason to be discouraged about what you've seen from Philip Aronik, right? Still an unreal pass on Saturday. Uh, I mean, just looks him <laughs> off, too. Just fantastic. It's Mahomes-esque. It felt like, like one of those throws Mahomes make where he's yeah. like looking one way and then he sidearms it. You yeah, know? just a great no-look <laughs> pass. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic, right? And, and he has a real quality to his game. Yeah. And he's very competitive. The coaches talk about how good his gap control is. They love how he defends and boxes out as well. He does make the odd mistake. We've seen that, but who doesn't, <laughs> right? But at the same time, he provides so much value that you don't worry about whatever little deficiencies he may yeah. or may not have. And if you have Hughes and Hronik, and right now Hughes is playing at, at the level of a Norris ca- caliber defender, I know the Canucks don't have the best defense or the top tier defense. I know they don't have. They're the not bottom. Vegas or Colorado. They're also not in the bottom tier, which is like San Jose. I think San Jose's got to be in a tier of their own. <laughs> okay, so okay, let's let's tier from the bottom up. Then. Okay, let's do that. All right. Um, <laughs> San Jose is in the lowest tier. Yes. Like they, yeah. they they're in the San Jose tier. Yes. This is the shark tier. Bottom tier. Yes. <laughs> the shark tank. Yes. It's a tier it, of their it, own. It, yeah. it's, it's the shark tank. Yeah. It's the tier of their own. Um, uh, ahead of that, tier four. And this is still a tier, like, I don't think you can have the Vancouver Canucks in because they've performed at a better level than that. But it's probably still the teams that are trying to come out of their or either in a rebuild or trying to make yeah. their way out of a recent rebuild. So Chicago. Yeah. 
I mean, Anaheim right now, maybe we have to rethink Anaheim. Well, the, the way, way Pavel Mintikov is And Mintikov has been fantastic, yeah. right? Incredible. And they still have Fowler and Dreisil when he comes back. I mean, all of a sudden you have, as much as Fowler's not the same guy he was, they also have Radko Gudis. Mintikov's playing like a top-pairing defenseman right now. It's insane how good he's been. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you may have to reframe them as well. But going into it, you're like, hey, Chicago, Anaheim, Arizona. Arizona made improvements, getting yeah. Sean Dursey, even getting you know Matt Dumba. There's no high end on that defense. No. You know, like they don't have a, a number one defense. No, they don't even have a number two or a three. Like Dumba's a four at best. Yeah. Jersey's a four at best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still competent. It can be, but it's clearly lacking, right? They don't have a defenseman signed beyond this year. No. You know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. you like that that sort of explains it as as you need it to be explained. So that's uh tier that's the next tier. Um and that brings us to probably the middle tier. There's probably yeah. five tiers in the in the Western Conference. We'll tier it that way. Yeah. Five tiers. Who's in this next tier? Because I, I would have the Canucks probably in this tier coming into the season. And now it's are they better than what we had thought they might be? So this this middle of the pack tier is like at the bottom end, you get teams like St. Louis, mm-hmm. Nashville, Winnipeg. Seattle, Edmonton. Right. And Vancouver, do you find them there? I mean, Seattle, some some might say they like their defense, but they have Vince Dunn and they have Adam Larson. Alexiak's been okay. And the rest of their defense is kind of like Dumoulin. Yeah. Dunn and Larson played like one of the best pairs in the league last last year. year. They haven't played that way so far this season. And Seattle's feeling it. Yeah. Right. And and they lost Susie, right? And even, even so on their back end. You see some issues, but I mean, if you want to give them a bit, you can raise them up a bit. You can. I mean, Edmonton. Some might say that's harsh for that defense, but with they with the way they played. But also, I've always been kind of low on Nurse. I don't think Nurse is as good as the number next to his salary. Yeah, really indicates. And then, you know, Ekholm's solid. I like Ekholm a lot. And Bouchard, I like, but Bouchard defensively is but like so when they're not connected, that yeah. defense has a lot of a lot of issues. Well, okay. H- how about this? If you were ranking the four best defensemen in tonight's game between the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. it you, you might say, with the way Ian Cole is playing right now, the Canucks have three of the four best defensemen. Yeah, I mean you could you can certainly make that case. You can certainly <laughs> at make least that case. on based on play form, right now. On form. On yeah, form. On form. On form, right? You can make that case. So I mean, I right now when I watch Veronica and Hughes together. And Susie, he's getting better. Yeah. You know, and Ian Cole, like, we all like Ian Cole. And, yeah, you still have Myers, you still have Friedman. Those guys are, you know, obviously you'd love to improve on that, you know, and somebody texted in, what about Ethan Bear? If you get Ethan Bear, then all of a sudden that just, you know, it it just solidifies it Raises your floor even more. And what else you can kind of do here, right? But you have Hughes and Hironik. And if you look at one of the things you run into as well, there are 32 teams in the league now. Defenses are watered down. Yeah. Like, even Colorado and Vegas, I mean, those guys are stout. Vegas has like six guys. Colorado has like a bunch. We'll get to those teams coming up. But I mean, those are like the higher end teams. Yeah. But very few teams have like four legitimate top four defensemen now. Like legitimate top four. It's like two, three guys, and then they kind of carry the load here. Yeah. So that's what you have to look at as well. Like all these teams, they kind of have one or two guys, and the rest is kind of like, yeah, okay, maybe they fill roles and they get by. Most teams, like if you're lucky, you have three that you love. But even that is hard to do with the way that the cap has been flat course the extra teams added in in recent years and like the Canucks I don't know if I'm totally sold on Susie yet I've liked a lot of what I've seen 
Um, you know, he made uh, the, the play that creates the first goal on Saturday. The defensive blue line makes a quick read and is able to break up the play and then make a quick read, start a transition chance, which the Canucks obviously score on. And it's probably been the most impressive thing about his game, or at least one of the most impressive things about his game is how he defends mm-hmm. the defensive blue line for the Vancouver Canucks. And so that's been really encouraging. It's been impossible not to like Ian Cole. From the first moment we spoke to him in the summer after he signed with the Canucks, when we spoke to him again at training camp, and the way that he has played as a presence in the room, as a presence on the team and on the blue line, he has far exceeded expectations for this club. And that's given them a legit second-pair defenseman beyond... Hughes and Hronick. Yeah. And so now that, that to me, that starts the conversation of, are you above tier three because of that? So, so above the tier three, these are the teams that we kind of look at Dallas, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. LA Kings. And I mean, hey, Calgary right now, maybe you want to move them down with how poorly they played, but on paper, right? I mean, it's, it's still Rasmus Anderson, who's a legitimate high-end defenseman. Noah Hannafin's a good defenseman. Mackenzie Weger's still a good defenseman. Chris Tanev is still very good. Yeah, it's really hard for me to move Calgary down to Tier 3. On personnel, they're Tier 2. On form, they're Tier 3. Yeah. I think it's a fair way of, of describing their defense. But in terms of personnel, I mean, it's, it's still one of the better defenses. It's, it's still pretty good. The LA Kings, uh, they're off to a hot start as well. And, you know, we question their defense a little bit coming into this. Certainly I did, um, but it's still working. Gavrikov has been a nice fit for them. Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty, they uh, just work mm-hmm. as a pair. So L.A., they've still got a little bit of the high end, and Doughty, even at 33, is still playing at a really good level. So for me, that like you know, it's, it's hard to bump them down a tier, even though you know, that, that defense – on paper, doesn't look quite as strong as it has maybe in past years. No, and and it's, and I I would say this: when a team plays well, and right now the Canucks defensemen are also being supported by their forwards and how well the forwards are playing, so that also makes the team look even better. So I think all those things also factor in here when we talk about defenses and form. The teams that also have good forwards that play a good team game generally also play well defensively, yeah. bring the best out of your guys, and that's certainly something that's happening as a team for the Canucks right now, which helps their defense overall. But yeah, you look at the Kings' defense and. It's say, yeah, their defense, you may want to rank them above Vancouver, but are you trading the Canucks defense for the Kings defense? Like, are you giving up Hughes and Heronic for whatever the Kings have? Nobody's doing that. No. No. Right? <laughs> Nobody in their right mind saying, yeah, sure. No. You know what? Like, we'll take the Kings defense over the Canucks defense. I think that's a good way of asking it. Yeah. You know, like, which one Which one are you taking? Okay, you're, you're, you're starting to convince me on this that the Canucks might be in, in Tier 2. Um, looking ahead of that, uh, you've got... Minnesota in tier two as well here and maybe uh, not quite what it once was the Minnesota D but Brodeen Spurgeon uh, and the way Brock Faber has looked early on here for Minnesota as well like they've still got they still got pretty good team pretty good defense so that's an interesting one and then we have Dallas I don't know that da- – like, okay, Dallas is a tier above Vancouver, maybe, but do they have a ton more talent on defense than the Canucks? Like, well, you could argue Heiskanen and Hughes are a wash, 
and then start the conversation after that. So I think you can say the pairing's a wash. You can say Hironic and Hughes with Lindell and Heiskanen's a wash. Yeah. The rest of the defense for the for the stars, I think I prefer over Vancouver. Yeah. As much as Suter's not the same guy he was before, but also he had a really played. tough go towards the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, he did. And that's, you know, for a guy his age, it's always going to be sort of the, the question mark is uh, how are you able to last through the course of the year? Hawkenpah is, you know, he's a third pair guy with some PK chops. And then it kind of depends on the two young guys with Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist. I like Thomas Harley. Lundqvist, he's really struggled since they got him over. He's not even broken in as an everyday defenseman yeah. for them yet. And he struggled defensively and he's not really putting up numbers quite yet. But he still has, you know, he's still young. They still think highly of him. They gave up a first round pick for yeah. him, right? I like Harley a lot. Like, he's good. Like, he's not at the level yet defensively. And you also see what his deployment and his minutes. He plays about 17 minutes a game. He's not at the level where he's being trusted massively. And I think when you start going through these defenses, one of the things that really stands out is usage for a lot of guys. Mm. So if you look at Dallas's team, they essentially rely on two players. Yeah. It's Lindell and Heiskanen. It's like Vancouver with Hughes and Hironic. It's the same type of thing. And if you kind of look at how they carry play, Hughes right now... We all know his numbers, even when it comes to matchups analytically, like he's crushing everything he's doing. Yeah. And Hronik's numbers have been even better than Quinn Hughes's analytically. It, it, it's sort of like when, when everybody was raising the question about like, oh, are, are Hughes and Hronik playing too much? And I think we, uh, to pat ourselves on the back, we were maybe one of the first uh, to really point out like, hey, this is just how top defensemen play in the National Hockey League, 25, 26 minutes a night. 24 minutes on the low end and that's where you're seeing Hughes and Heronic play I mean the, the thing about this the unknown we had was where was Heronic ultimately going to fit on the roster mm-hmm. and it didn't look like they were going to go Hughes Heronic in training camp and then they were just like okay we're doing it Hughes Heronic like let's go day one of the season and they've started and they've gained chemistry with each passing game. They get better and better, it seems. It's brought the best out of each player. It's like mm-hmm. brought the best out of each of their talent yeah. uh, talent pool within themselves. And now you're looking at what could be, on the low end, a top 10 pair in the league. And the way they're playing right now, a top 5 pair in the league. Well, and it's also about identifying players that they brought. So look at, they have, what, Four new defensemen on this blue line compared to where they were last year. Yes. You know, it's Friedman who came in. You have Susie, you have Hronik, and you have Ian Cole. All these guys can do things that Canucks want to do in terms of their team play. So mm-hmm. all these guys have good active sticks defensively. We talk about their ability to box out. They have good fundamentals, how they play defensively. But also how they move the puck and their positioning and their ability to make the simple and easy read and pass. And that's what, what's available to them. So the Canucks aren't asking their defensemen outside of Hughes and Hironic to do things they're not capable of doing. The forwards are constantly available for outlets. But what the Canucks have done is get guys who are very good at doing those simple, easy things. So all of a sudden, when you don't have Hughes and Hironic out there who just carry play to whatever they want and, and they're just dominating, crushing yep. everything out there, you have Elias Pettersson when he's out. You have Pew Suter when he's out, oftentimes playing a lot deeper and helping the breakout out. Plus their forwards and wingers being there to help support the breakout. They, they do the same thing with Hughes and Hironic, but sometimes you don't need it because those guys can just break it out on their own and do things on their own that nobody else is capable of doing. So it's not even so much about if you compare Vancouver's defense outside of Hughes and Hironic and say, these guys are better, those guys are better. All those two, all the teams that are in that second tier and above, outside of teams that have a real good number three and four, 
get guys who fit their system and are able to do things within their structure to be successful. And the Canucks have finally graduated to that point. So whether the Canucks are in tier two, whether they're in tier three, we can have this discussion or, or, or argument. And I think the good thing about it is it shows you can make the debate, yeah. you know, that, you know, they could be in tier two, but it's more about building a defense that can now be functional. Yes. Much like we talk about the forward group. And even if there's still work to be done on their defense, we can see now that the Canucks defensively with how they're playing as a team, they can hang with a lot of clubs. The top tier is Vegas and Colorado. Yeah. They're alone. Nope, nobody's touching them right now. Nobody's touching those guys. Um, you know, Vegas, we know Colorado and like everything that they've got. Um, but Vegas too, you know, um, I, I've long thought Shea Theodore doesn't get enough respect around the league. And now that he lives in Alex Pietrangelo's shadow, he even gets less respect. And then you have Alec Martinez and Brady McNabb beyond that. I mean, yeah. that's that's a really good defense, right? Yeah, I, I mean, and even if you look, you know, when we look at Seattle's defense too, and look at Winnipeg's defense as well, they have two, three guys that get 20 minutes, two guys that get over 20 minutes. Yeah. The rest are like 17, 18, maybe 19, some guys. Like teams that spread it out, 19 plus, or there are very few of them. There's not enough top four defensemen in the league to go around. The league has been watered down talent-wise yeah. a little bit. And, and I don't mean this in a negative way because I think it actually makes for some mistakes. It makes for some good hockey generally, and there is a lot of talent. But the forward talent is ahead of the defensive talent. And especially being able to play roles, I think that's where you're seeing the biggest difference. Because even if you go through some of the analytics for Canucks defensemen, like Ian Coles aren't great. But when you look at situational, you look at certain things he does, that's where he shines. Yeah. And it's not. And the Canucks aren't playing a style where they're overwhelming teams. They're playing a really clean game for the most part and taking advantage of, of their skill. And now they have the personnel that, that allows them to do that. It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. What uh, tier do you think the Canucks defense is in when it comes to the Western Conference, uh, are they a tier below Colorado and Vegas or maybe still in the mushy middle? You can answer 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox if you are listening live. We'll read some of those out coming up in a little bit. Because, I mean, because by the analytics, the Canucks defense has been like 18, 19 yeah. in the league. But in terms of goals, goals for and goals against, they're number one in the league. Number one with like by a pretty significant margin the way yeah. that they've gone and maybe a little bit overinflated by the 8-1 and the 10-1 but even uh, goals against though like they haven't given up a ton now, a lot of that is goaltending as well what, you know what, Thatcher Demko but what, what people uh sort of are discounting is that okay yeah maybe the Canucks have outscored uh what their expectations should be so far but their defense has been really good and it, that's that you can't debate as much and then of course when they haven't been as good the goalies back them up we'll dive more into this as uh, as the show goes on and as we get into pregame a little bit later on but uh, it's monday so let's get to the menu oh man uh, sad i gotta say there was uh, some difficult choices for the menu today usually like I i'm i'm the kind of guy that likes to get a little bit of everything you know, that's yeah. why that's why I enjoy the the tapas oh, like restaurant. Tapas. Yes. I'm a tapas guy. You like the mixer plates and yeah. everything? Like give me yeah. the give me the mixer plate. The give me a little bit of that. Give me a little bit of this. I can't make a decision. I'm very uh, uh, indecisive in that way. So You're just sample. give me a little bit of everything. I want a sample. You're a you sample know? guy. You're a sampler. Dan is sampler. But you know what? Right now, with the Vancouver Canucks, and the way the menu is working. 
literally everything is on the menu right now for the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this team. Everything is hot. Everything is working the way that it should. They're scoring goals. They play defense well. The special teams is good. The goaltending is the best in the league. There is nothing that isn't hot right now for the Vancouver Canucks. On the postgame show uh, the other night, people were kept texting in. You guys aren't giving enough credit to X. You're not giving enough credit to Y. <laughs> You're not giving enough credit to Z. Like it was like it was a constant flow of you guys aren't giving enough credit to because we couldn't name like the 80 people in the organization. Yes. Even you people were texting about like Mackey. <laughs> like his good vibes are helping. It's like, all right. Everything's on the menu. Yeah. My Canucks cousin Joe hotter. on the equipment staff. He's doing a great job. <laughs> the way he sharpens those skates. Literally everything is yeah. hot with the Vancouver Canucks right now. It's surprising, but also uh, a lot of fun to watch the way that it's been going. Uh, the other part that's that's really hot is the Canucks playoff odds because they're just shooting up, 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 and up. So what it's are like they the buy right one now? get one, you know, like you're just uh, you're getting two for one, two for the price of one with the playoff probabilities and how much they've uh, they've increased. Even Money Puck has them on the low side at seventy nine percent, seventy nine point four percent. But you know, Dom's model at the Athletic has them over eighty percent. Dom's model has yes, them over eighty percent. I know. Oh wow, the man who hates the Canucks. <laughs> The model that hates the Canucks. <laughs> the model. The man who hates the Canucks. <laughs> I don't know if he hates the Canucks. Yeah. The model hates the Canucks. <laughs> well, not right now. Uh, so the, the playoff odds also very much so on uh, the main course. What's simmering with the Vancouver Canucks right now? I'm going to bring this to the table, see how All you right. feel about it. I, mean, we've been I know Ian McIntyre mentioned it at sportsnet.ca, but I don't know if the national media has yet to uh, – figure out that it's JT Miller taking all the tough competition, taking down the opposition's top lines, taking down Rupe Hints yeah. on Saturday night, and that big Dallas line tonight, he's going to be tasked with McDavid and Dreisaitl alongside uh, uh, Zach Hyman. So I think JT Miller's Selkie candidacy is simmering. It's not – like it's going to take a while for him to really get into the conversation – like realistically, but he should be on the radar with the way that he's played so far this season. You know what he's doing? He's he's outlining his essay right now. Yes. You no. Know, so it's like, <laughs> all right. So this is what you what you have outlined. So you're gonna write it as the season goes on. <laughs> that's uh, that's J T. Miller's selkie candidacy right now. It's like when you're ordering from one of the uh, delivery apps and you know what you want. And then it, just before you hit checkout, it's like, hey, you want one of these add-ons? That's that's the JT Miller Selkie candidacy at this point. Um, returning to the kitchen, every other Canadian team. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> get get out of Dodge. I mean, you it, guys stink right now. <laughs> it's funny listening to uh, 32 Thoughts, and they're not starting the segment about the disaster <laughs> that is Vancouver and all the yes. trades. It's like about Calgary, but Edmonton, and Toronto. It's every other Canadian team. It's like, team. fine, great. You guys have it. You guys deal with it. Yeah, uh, Calgary's a mess. Edmonton's a mess. Ottawa's a mess. Toronto's a mess. And I mean, even if the Canucks lose to Edmonton, it's like, well, I mean, they're eight two and one. They beat Edmonton twice. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to lose games eventually. Ho hum. Like you know, you're eight <laughs> two and one. So it's, it's not even dependent on the game. Whereas yeah. Edmonton's like, you know, Edmonton's like, are we going to fire the coach? <laughs> Toronto's like, all of our depth scoring sucks. Has anybody figured out that basically the Leafs signed Ryan Reeves in order to and, and had to get rid of Sam Lafferty because of it. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you could have used that depth. But score they got a Toronto. fifth round pick, Dan. 
fifth round pick might help <laughs> seven years down the line. Uh, all right, it's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Uh, that's the Monday menu coming up. Don Taylor is going to join us here on uh, Sportsnet 650. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Still buzzing after a wild weekend of sports in Vancouver. Culminating with a uh, Whitecaps tough loss to uh, LAFC, but uh, Vanny Sartini just getting the uh, <laughs> going viral around the world with his freak out yesterday at the uh, referee performance. Yeah, what was better, his freak out or his press conference? <laughs> I mean, talk about officials laying dead in the Ooh, Fraser, upside yeah. down. I'm like, what is going on? Stuff. <laughs> Don't see that too often, do you? I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Is this the Sopranos? Or? <laughs> um, maybe we'd want that one back. But uh, <laughs> if we know Vanny, like we in Vancouver know Vanny as a, as a joker. And he was uh, poking at himself more than anything else. Yeah. But uh, did, didn't go over too well, as we saw from some... Uh, MLS referees uh, union today, but uh, let's bring in Don Taylor to the conversation. Donnie and Dolly. Donnie, have you ever seen like what's the what's the biggest coach freak out to a ref? The only one I, I, uh, I mean, you you'd have a better memory than me, but uh, maybe Jim Playfair with the Abbotsford Heat uh, as as a local one. That oh happened. yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny you say that. This isn't hockey, but Bobby Knight passed away last yeah. week. Yeah, and we all remember the chair throwing chair. Uh, incident in the game against Purdue. In the '80s, I, that was one of many for, for for Bob Knight. But as far as hockey goes, because it was quite close by, quite close by, it was it was in the Fraser Valley, just next door. Yeah, you remember? I forgot all about the Playfair incident. That that would have been crazy if it would have happened. Uh, oh, yeah. If it would have happened uh, now, and I can't remember again. I'm going uh, with another sport here. But the minor league baseball manager who oh, yeah. pretended he was <laughs> he was throwing grenades, yeah. like that that is still that's that's definitely still an all timer. I mean, you get you get guys uh, coaching, but you know when when they you know when they get kind of physical with it or they're actually acting, then it goes to another level. Yeah. Those those were pretty special. I, I, those are always the best. I mean, David Quinn actually earlier this season had one on the bench where oh, he was yeah. like he was dropping f bombs at the referee and then he got <laughs> tossed. It was it was funny if you watch the video of how he was going off at the referee. But I mean, the Roger Nielsen it wasn't a freak out, but it was more iconic because he put you know yeah. the yeah. towel on the stick and he raised. It was it was an iconic moment, but it wasn't a freak out. You know, but I think anytime there's a real strong visual attached yeah. to it, mm-hmm. uh, like the chair throwing and and the uh, the surrendering with the towel, and then you have your players taking part, that yeah. that takes it to another level as well. And I think there's nothing that a league hates more, you know, especially when you're talking about a coach who's supposed to be a leader, and he he has his players doing the same thing that 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 really pisses uh, league offices yeah. off a whole lot. Well, maybe the actual, actually the best freak out, wasn't it uh, Torts and Hartley? <laughs> like Torts going <laughs> going after Hartley and we see it uh, with the video uh, between the, yeah. uh, behind the, behind the benches. Yeah. 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 Well then the other, the other freak out would have been in the nineties, Pat Burns going after Barry Melrose. Oh, right. Yeah. Maple Leaf yeah. Gardens where you've got that walkway <laughs> between yeah. the benches and there's, a, there is a chance that with, for some access there, uh, that was that was uh, that was pretty crazy and a lot of fun. It was you know the dueling mullets there. 
<laughs> was it Patrick Waugh versus Bruce Brujo uh, when he was uh, with the Colorado Avalanche? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, like, Patrick Waugh had a few of them. Patrick yeah. Waugh versus the, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. wasn't a, a coach situation, but, uh, well, I guess it was because he was glaring at Mario Trombley. And yeah, went, yeah. He went and talked to Ronald Corey. He left the orders yeah. sitting right behind the bench, which is beautiful. Again, a visual attached to it takes oh. it to another level. Oh, and I mean, and Mark Crawford and Scotty Bowman with the abs. You, yeah. you, you read the transcript for that? It's hilarious. <laughs> it's, I mean, well, it's was, really... it, was, it Scott, was it Scotty telling uh, Mark that he knew his dad? And yeah. His dad would be like really hitting home. That, yeah. that was that cut deep. That was, you know, and it was done in such a calm manner yeah. that it would piss him off even more. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that was that was pretty good. That was pretty. I don't know why we laugh at that stuff. But, I don't you know, know, but it's, I don't know. it's pretty funny. <laughs> the baseball guys are like they happen most often, and it's it's always fun because like when they get the toss, then it's like, well, I'm getting my money's yeah. worth yeah. now, yeah. you know, like yeah. So. yeah. I'm gonna go full on Lou Pinella. <laughs> I guess one of the uh, one of the kings of of all time is. Uh, Earl Weaver with the Baltimore Orioles. There's some. There's at least one or two real great arguments that he has with umpires, and you know, and and he just, yeah, like you say, he's out, so he just lets them have it. And I think when one of the occasions he was he was mic'd up, and hey, you know, we don't get as much of that in baseball now with with uh, you know the help of technology that you know they eventually usually get the calls right, so you don't have those arguments anymore. And mm-hmm. I I think the game is lesser for it. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's, it makes it a lot more fun. Uh, Jim and Mission texts in, and he, and he puts you on the spot, Don. He says, early 80s, Vic Rapp after the Western Final in Edmonton. Oh, Donnie uh, will remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think Hugh Campbell, you know, Rick's dad, was the head coach of the Eskimos, and they just owned, the, they owned everybody, right? They won five straight great cups, and Vic Rapp had come over from Edmonton to become head coach of the BC Lions, and there was one playoff game where – the Eskimos, I, everybody was pretty sure who watched it. They ran it up a bit. and Vic ran out in the field and confronted him, and it was just gold. He couldn't hear it, but, and he was really animated. You couldn't hear it, but you could see it. He was some kind of pissed off. And Hugh Campbell, much like Rick, is, was really, it still is, really cool and calm, and, and I guess that pissed Vic off even more, and that was, that was, that was iconic, legendary. Uh, it's Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah, Canuck Central. Joining us is uh, Hall of Famer Don Taylor with us Monday through Friday. Uh, Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon on Czech TV. So, okay, I, I guess the conversation is is shifting quite a bit around the Vancouver Canucks right now, isn't it, Donnie? And, uh, yeah. It's more the, the way Sat and I have, have sort of discussed it over the last couple of days is, like, how much are we reevaluating what this team is and – you know, what, what, what their potential could be this year. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We ran a poll question to say like, whose roster do you like better? Like whose roster mm-hmm. would you want right now? The Oilers or the Canucks? That's a laughable poll question. What? Two weeks ago, maybe yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. It's, it was 80% in favor of the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. It, it just, guys, it just seems real on all levels, it, it, you know, like players, coaches, management, goaltending, health, everything seems to be working really well. It just seems real. It's just that here in Vancouver, because of the history with this city and with this team, you have a hard time believing it. And it's just so quick. Mm-hmm. It just happens so quick. But it seems, it, it just seems really, if, if I can use this phrase, really real. Uh, look, I stand to be corrected. We all do. But it, it looks pretty good. Like, with the way they're playing, the structure, the discipline they're playing with, 
of that first pairing on the D, the depth they have, the, the health of Demko and the way he's playing. They've got they've got superstars. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good right now. It just I, I it just happens so quick, and I think everybody's a little stunned by it, and including the rest of the NHL. I, mean, I think we are surprised at how quickly it came together, and obviously they're they're on a bit of a heater too, right? And I think that obviously yep. makes it you know seem even even more spectacular, and we'll see as the season goes. But I'm with you, and and you know what, Donnie, too, what the coach mentioned today was professionalism again. We have a business like attitude. The players have a business like attitude. Something we haven't heard about a Canucks team, and I'd say maybe the better part of a decade, right? And when you see that type of dedication from star players that buy in, a serious head coach who keeps players accountable. That was kind of the AV era, right? We talk about the good eras in Canucks hockey. Like that was a foundation of of how they played. Now, obviously, talent. There's still more to go to become a cup contender. But in terms of you know what a what a professional good hockey team looks like, they finally look like it. Well, let, let, a couple of I call them the talk at tests, and I think one of them they passed with flying colors, and that was that day off in Nashville. And they, they had that day off in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And look, I, we all know what we would do at that age in Nashville for with a day off. And he said, this is the test of their professionalism. They come out and they win a real impressive game, a real impressive third period. Uh, so that was one uh, test of their professionalism. Another one is, you know, you know, winning a game where you're not playing well. So let's talk about that home game against Nashville, uh, you know, a few days ago where they didn't play well. They end up winning 5-2. When you, you don't really have your game, but you still manage to get two points out of it, or at least a point. In that case, uh, two points. The other game that I was impressed with was from a professional point of view, professionalism point of view, coming off the road trip mm-hmm. and beating St. Louis 5 nothing, and then playing a really strong game. They didn't win, but they got a point out of it the very next night against the Rangers. Those things haven't happened a lot in the past. There's always those excuses. Wow, we didn't have our legs today. Oh, we came off a long, a long road trip. We weren't playing our best. We weren't able to get a point. They've passed all those tests that Talkett has talked about. It's about being a pro and being at your best when maybe there's some adversity in front of you. It's 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 been really, really impressive, and I, I think it starts with the head coach. And I, I guess we always knew that building around <laughs> – you know, this core of players is, and the the reason you do it, the reason you don't go into a deep rebuild when you're Jim Rutherford taking over the roster a couple of years ago is, hey, I've got Elias Pettersson, I've got Quinn Hughes, I've got Thatcher Demko, I've got, you know, three guys that could realistically be top 10, maybe top five at their position if if all goes right with their development. And, you know, that's that's kind of what's fueling this, right? Yeah, of course, there's a lot of other players on the roster that are playing really well, but Right now, Pedersen, you could argue for the Hart. You could argue who's for the Norris. And you can argue Demko for the Vesna. Now, it's probably not going to end up that way by the end of the year. But you know, this was always the reason why you build around this group and not, you know, like, okay, let's, let's try the tank thing again. <laughs> and I think the key in all that is not listening to idiots in the media like Drance and I who were calling, <laughs> re- <laughs> calling for a rebuild. And, hey, and look, I wasn't I, too far away from you, Donnie, on that. No, and I said it all along. I want, I look, I grew up here. I want to be wrong. I want, I want to be wrong. It just seemed at the time that if you want a Stanley Cup, what you got to do is what other teams have done. But hey, look, if, if I'm wrong and it looks like I am, same with Drance and yourself, that, it, that's, that's fine. I'm okay. I'm okay covering a, a team that could contend for the, for the Stanley Cup. I'm going to add to that list. Do you throw in right now? Again, very early, but talk it for an Adams. 
do you throw in Patrick Alvine for a Jim Gregory Award? <laughs> yeah. General Manager of the Year. He's made some pretty good moves. I know the Ronick move was last year, but not that long ago. So, I mean, it's not just the players. It's it's management and coaches that are getting a lot of accolades right now. Yeah, I mean, they found Kuzmenko, and he hasn't really found his form yet, but clearly yeah. a, a star-level player. You add Hironik, now they finally have another you know high-end defenseman on the back end. I mean, those yeah. are two two pretty sizable decisions they've made that have really impacted the ceiling of the team. But I think in, in reality, Donnie, as good as this has been, I think the organization is well aware that they have to do more to to take yeah. that next step to become a cup contender. And, and, that's, and I think this, the great part about where we're at today is, okay, this team might be be pretty good. How do they become great? And how what steps can they take to become great? And I know Rick talks about you know what what, what the Canucks are up to all the yep. time, and he, he's plugged into what's going on with the team. And my understanding has been for quite some time now that they they want to make additions to this team and not just short-term like long-term additions it's just hard to do but i think the organization for, for all the talk about them you know getting better i think they're striving still to get even better than what they are well and i, I wonder what they're thinking regarding this year and i say that because i know the cap's supposed to go up a bit uh, or not a bit but significantly next year but so does the ekman larson penalty as well so is this the time maybe you, you jump? I, I, I wonder about that. The problem is that the cap restrictions and, and I, I think, you know, I, I think they really believe in this group, but there's still that there's still those cap restrictions that they've been talking about since day one. Does that mean Bavillier moves? Does that mean Garland moves? I, I, I still think there's going to be, you know, so, so, something like that. And that's what Rick is hearing as well. And, the way that they've reshaped this defense, um, it, it's been really encouraging, especially these last number of games, the way they've played. But not just Hronik, but the addition of Ian Cole and Carson Soucy's played really well now that he's sort of ramped it up after the, the early season injury. Yeah, and, and I think one of the biggest surprises has to be, and I think he's a good skater, I'm talking about Friedman, but that that Cole Friedman uh, uh, pairing, I don't think anybody would have still haven't given up guessed. a goal together on the ice. Yeah, like so that that that's a big surprise. But you got to have that if you're going to have a good year. There has to be some sort of element of surprise. So that's depth. Can it, can they sustain it? I'm not sure. Uh, Kuzmenko hasn't scored yet that a lot, so that's a bit of a negative. But you know, guys, you know they're they're, they're nursing leads, and you know, Andre Kuzmenko. It's not a guy you want out in that situation. If they were behind more, you'd see him get out uh, more, and maybe his production goes up. But uh, yeah, it's there. There have been surprises, and but there's the fact that they're still talking about a room for improvement is yeah. is, is pretty encouraging. Well, I'm with you, and I, and I think that's a big part of it is that they still have to find ways to improve as a team, and and I think it's encouraging that they're not afraid of doing those things, which I, I don't think they should be at all. But also, I think in terms of where they find themselves as a team right now and kind of the confidence they have. I think that's the the biggest thing that stood out to me because we usually see this come after a while. And, you know, it's early in the season still, right? There, there's a long way to go. But the fact that the players are buying into the level they are, you know, the coach talks about how guys like JT and Phil Giuseppe and Besser are watching tape ahead of the Edmonton game. Uh, yeah. they're, they're doing it on their own accord. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a team that, that looks fully invested. And when you have that type of investment from your star players, that's what trickles down. I mean, people talk about culture all the time. And it's like, great, you can go and bring in Ian Cole. You can, you can go and bring in, you know, like the Canucks did in the past, other veterans over the years like JB 
Eagle and Brandon Sutter and Antoine Roussel or whatever, but it has to be your star players leading that way. And the fact that those players are taking that on, JT, Pedersen, Hughes, I think that's what gives you encouragement that they can be a real serious team. Well, just the thought that a player who everybody criticized for a, you know a significant amount of time for his inability to hustle, to back check, is now kind of their defensive linchpin up front. I'm talking with JT Miller. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of footage of him, you know, not back checking and bitching and complaining. And what what a leader he's been this year on a line you'd never guess would be a, a somewhat of a shutdown down line. And that's, you know, you throw Quinn Hughes as a really smart choice as captain and Pedersen doing what he's doing. It's just, it's just really good right now. It looks like they're having a whole lot of fun doing what Talkett is telling them to do. And if you've got guys coming in early to look at video, I mean, that just, that just says a whole lot. And I just think Miller being dedicated to Look, I, I realize a lot of it has to do with, Hey, I'm at the start of a contract. You're paying me pretty well. I, you know, I, I, I better buckle down here. I really, but he is. And the, the, the production is there and the, and the winds are there. And I'm sure they're having a whole lot of fun. Well, it's, uh, it's a lot better than uh, the, the way uh, Jonathan Huberto is living up to his contract right now in, oh uh, in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, so uh, good things right now for the Vancouver Canucks, and hopefully they can continue on this run and keep getting uh, the fan base fired up. Uh, Donnie, always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Always fun, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, there is Don Taylor. Legendary Don Taylor. Hall of Fame Don Taylor. Yeah, man. No, great stuff. A lot of fun, too, talking about some coach freakouts. Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's yeah. so many good ones man oh man there's been so many good like ones through the years. the years there's just been a whole bunch yeah there'll be more to come as well but yeah. not as not as you know as boisterous as they were in the past like i don't think we're gonna see some of those things but you know w- with the intensity and the stakes yeah you know people are gonna tip over emotionally sometimes it's still gonna happen uh the way the way talk it is uh dealt with referees is is pretty funny at least through the media he's always been calm and uh mostly you know uh, even the 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 Rangers game, like he didn't want to point it out too bad. It was just like, uh, yeah, I think we all make mistakes, yeah. you know. And yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and he, and he, everybody, I make mistakes, and uh, he even says make mistakes sometimes too. Yeah, and he himself says when he met with the media too that hey, you know what? Like sometimes I'll I'll shake my head and I'll say something or I'll raise my arms and then I'll apologize to the referee and say hey, you know. So I think he understands. You got to manage them the gamesmanship that you yes. have to have in between there. But I do wonder if there's a moment where, cause he was a tough player, right? And, but he keeps it cool really well. I just wonder if we'll see a Rick talk at freak out at some point, cause that would be really funny. And I, and I bet you it would be really intense, like very intense. Yeah. It would <laughs> uh, be quite intense. Uh, so we, we mentioned in the Monday menu that uh, every other Canadian team is ice cold right now. Mm-hmm. Leafs just got booed off the ice against the Tampa Bay Ooh. lightning. Yeah. Things are going well in Toronto. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the opposite of well, actually. It's <laughs> oh, great. It's great. <laughs> Things are going bad. This, this is bad. bad. For them, it's very bad. <laughs> I don't know. We're having a laugh. Uh, goalie's been uh, taken out. It's, uh, uh, well, Leafs, Leafs are having their own trouble. Oh, Samsonov is breaking his mask. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Not great. Uh, We will uh, continue to discuss some of the things happening around the league, get more into the matchup for today's game against the Edmonton Oilers. You'll hear from the coach and what he had to say after morning skate. Plus, in hour number two, Kyle Turris is going to join us coming up after 
5.30. Local boy played over 700 games in the National Hockey League, was at the uh, Can-Pro-Am this weekend. We'll talk to Kyle Turris in hour number two as well on Canuck Central.